The culture, I'm saying, is definitely deeper than rap. There are a lot of great things happening in hip-hop for sure. From the outside looking in, you may not even understand. We're reporting live from deep within the culture. Ayo, part learning platform. Part inspiration. I'm talking all things culture. It's the Hip Hop Study Hall Podcast with DJ Eakin. I should not act like this, man. Uh, DJ Eakin, it's back, man. Uh, the Hip Hop Study Hall Podcast. And, 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 um... As promised, uh, one part learning platform, one part inspiration, all things the culture. And of course, I got my guy back. You, you, you know what, today, do you, do you have a pitch like that you give, that you have for yourself when you introduce yourself? Do you, do you have a pitch? Uh, for in here, yeah. You do? Oh, yeah. Can I, can I, because I've never heard the pitch. Like, I just know you because you're like a really cool guy. Like, you're like a really cool dude to me. You're not like, like you really know your law stuff, but you don't strike me as like, like you're like a lawyer dude I think I could run into on a bar and then be like, yo, I'm really cool with this lawyer dude. And all my boys be like, you cool with, a, yeah, bro, like I'm cool with this dude. Like not just go to his office because I got a case. Right. Like we hang out. Like, so let me hear like your pitch and then that's your introduction to yourself. So, okay, so this is what we would do on, on my show, which I appreciate the fact that you've clearly never listened to the show, but. Uh, Damn, <laughs> Bam. But but on on that note though, I hardly even listen to a playback of my own podcast. That's fair. So there's so there's that. I mean, you know, so there's that. So we are here in Lawfather Studios right here in or actually I can't even get my own pitch right. Hold on. Let's let's start that over. Right here in Lawfather headquarters, we are in Lawfather Studios. Boom. And I see I like obviously, you know, I'm not doing something right with Jason because I need to set up the hip hop study hall studios because like it's late. Like I, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. When I walked in, that was the first thing I saw. Like, you know, that is my favorite. That yes. That is my favorite sign that we have. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. The law father back on the hip hop study hall <laughs> podcast. Um, Always and we here. are here in law father headquarters, which is new for me as I, I start moving around. Um, First things first, um, I want to get into this conversation as we continue what happened last week. But before we open the cameras and before we open the mic, all that good stuff, we were just talking about, you know, we were having guy talk, right? And I threw the question out in the room. And then sports guy, music guy that I am, let's get your opinion. What is Antonio Brown doing right now? Um, you know, because you're in Tampa. Right. He was a Buccaneer. So I know if we didn't know about him before that, right, we definitely knew once he became a Buccaneer. And then we all saw the exit, the infamous exit that he made. And I am all for anybody that can do their own thing. Right. But as a fan of football, somebody who watches I, the culture, life in general, your thoughts on what what is Antonio Brown doing right now? Well, I'll take it a step further because I actually used to represent NFL players as an agent. So I've seen a little bit of the inside. Okay. Um, well, I want to want to preface this with I don't want a defamation lawsuit from Antonio because I think that's uh, one of the things that he's liking to do. Right. Um, something's off. Right. It just it just screams of something being off. And, you know, having had friends that played professional football, having represented professional football players. Right. It's, it's really easy to miss those things. And those guys, just I'll, I'll generalize it as a whole, they don't know what's going on necessarily that we see, right? So we have we have the luxury of seeing it from the outside looking in, right? right? And whether it's from the level that we see it with Antonio Brown being that, like, I don't know him personally, I don't think you know him personally necessarily, right? nope. that, that we've been in and around private circles with them. But guys that I've been around with in, in private circles, right, that you see it from the outside, but they don't see it. To them, they're fine. 
then there's absolutely nothing wrong with them, right? So I'm not saying that there's something wrong with Antonio Brown. I'm not saying that some of those hits have had an impact, especially the one where he got knocked out. Right. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, if he's a friend of mine, I'd be like, dude, what's up? But you got to know that sometimes that, hey, dude, what's up? What are you, What's going on here? Could get you put out of VIP. Could get you put out of VIP, which I was never concerned with necessarily. Well, those real friends aren't, though. But you can lose a friend over it, right? And because it's it can be so tumultuous, right? And look, I one of the guys I was friends with, I'm no longer friends with over that same thing, right? That same concept. So, you know, it, it just, it is what it is. And, and it's it's a difficult thing. So, you know, yeah, there's, I would think, my opinion at least, there's something going on. I don't know what, but I, I don't think he's going to have a really good music career. Um, but you're the music guy, so. Yeah, before I even get to the music, let me let me back up just one second. Um, let's talk about, I, I wanna, I, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the real friend and we were talking about the VIP thing. Because here's my take on that. If I, as a real friend, tell you the truth, tell you the truth. Like, you know, and there's a respectful way to tell the truth, right? And then you decide that I don't belong in VIP with you and now I'm out of the entourage. I'm okay with that. Like I really am because, and, and just like you said, because to me, real friends are not yes men. Real friends tell you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear, right. you know? And I'm not saying that a real friend doesn't encourage you. I'm not saying that a real friend isn't like, bro, when he knows you should have caught that ball, right? And he's like, that's a little bit on the quarterback, dude. Like you got them all, right? Yeah, that, we, we all could, we could do that. Right. But if your friend is genuinely to me and Making a fool of himself might be a stretch, so I'm not going to say he's making a fool of himself, but I'm like you. Football is this guy's life, right? Yeah. And I do believe this part. I think that without football, he's somewhat lost. Say what you want on all your social media. That part I have been around. Not him personally, but dudes who are like dudes who are into this rap game, who are into this hip hop space, who are into just what they're into. Like it's their dream. Like even me, sometimes, like when I first didn't have radio, I was lost for a minute because I thought radio was what made me not realizing that even my second situation at radio, you kind of came after me because I was hot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I had something to offer, you know, and he is still a dope player. But I think without that, though, he's trying to find something to grasp onto. Right. Yeah. And, and I think you see that not just in athletes, but right. but in I mean, anybody in any walk of life, you do something for long enough and it makes you who you are right, wrong or indifferent. It just does. I mean, how many lawyers out there are 65, 75, 85, right? Still going at it. And it's like that dude's just going to sit and die at his desk. Right? There's nothing else to like. That's who he is. or That's who she is. Right. So it's not relegated to just any one thing. But, you know, look, you know, it, as a as an athlete. The better player you are, the more you can be a giant pain in everybody's butt. Right. And he's that good that he can be a giant pain in everybody's butt. But has he exceeded that? Yeah, because I think here's the part to me that I think that he might be missing. And again, this is this is our opinion here, right? The people whose butt pause that he would want to be a pain in, though, they might be a step away from being done with them. See, because yeah. here's my take on like a lot of times when I see these athletes that are around, like, you know, that come and, and move into the hip hop space and the party space and that sort of thing. Right. In all reality, let me be real with you. 
we don't really want to hear their music. We really don't. Like, like Kobe made music. Allen Iverson made music. You don't get much greater than that. No. And even Kobe, right? We look back on it and be like, Kobe did that. <laughs> but we ain't really buy it. No. We ain't really buy Kobe and Tyra Banks single. We ain't really mess with the Kobe album. We ain't mess with the Allen Iverson album. I, not really. I mean, greatest one of the, some of the greatest ball players I've ever seen. And that's how I feel about Antonio Brown, right? You can be in every room with the rapper. Like this is and this and people to me who really take the music thing seriously, I can see them always being in a room with Antonio Brown, but I don't see them even taking seriously his musical career until he really shows them some music. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. auto-tune aside, like I could put auto-tune on you right now, put you on the right beat, and we might get lucky. I'd be a star. <laughs> You got the look. This sounds so like a we challenge. Just, we just we just got to get the we got to get the song right because you got everything else going right, and we can sell it. We could do it in the blazer and tie suit and tie. You know what? Maybe we should just we got to get you a jingle. I think we should make that happen. We got to get you a jingle. Let's do it. We got we <laughs> if we get you a jingle. We get you a jingle. I'm gonna make the jingle notes here. Oh, he is. Those of you who are listening, he is actually writing down these notes. So while he's writing, I, I will let you know that, see, I don't have to worry about anybody coming after me for defamation on my own show because there's like three people who listen, but I probably have to be a little bit more cognizant on here because there's probably like five people who listen. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> and, and of those five, four of them are looking for a check that I don't not, that I do not have. Like, so they might as well get ready because you sue me, all you're getting is like four or five pair of sneakers. And if it's too many people involved, you got to share those. So <laughs> you do what you want to with, with your life or whatever, you know, and, and, and the reason he, he comes up to me, like Antonio Brown comes up to me is because the more I watch him too, it's like, he's losing who Antonio Brown was turning into this like baby version of Kanye. And that's what has intrigued me about the whole thing. Like every time I see him now, he looks more and more like, yeah, I hang with Kanye. But we don't need another Kanye, you know, and, no, and honestly and truly, there will never to me be another Kanye. Like Kanye is who he is, right. musically a genius. Creatively, I think he's one of the best to ever do it. The belief in himself, I love 2000%. Some of the other things I could probably do without. But he also, too, always has his own Kanye style, right? right. Now, everybody buying Balenciaga Croc rubber boots and, and mask and, and having on the same black outfit as him. Like that ain't going to make me buy your music, bro. Like I want to see you catch a few touchdowns. That's what I watch you for. Yeah, no, absolutely. Could you imagine them hanging out together? They do. Hang out. That's what they, I'm they actually like, not like, not like philosophically hang out. They actually physically hang out together. Well, they've been at, they've been spotted at games together. He is addressing exactly like Kanye. Oh man, this could um, be fun to watch. Yeah. And he's also, if I'm not mistaken, he's been given a position inside of Kanye's Donda thing as um, somewhere involved in either all of sports or just the football portion. Imagine them in a room together. I don't know I, I'd it. love to watch that. I'd love to just watch it all. Just unfold. Well, speaking of rooms, and um, this is another fun fact. Um, just came out that Kanye might have had a like a. Well, Kanye came out of a hotel, and then two girls came out. That, that's I guess that's not for this episode. That's a that's another thing. But yeah, that that might be that's a reality show, right? Him and Kanye oh, in the yeah. house. That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> him and Kanye in the house, and and we'd have to get some other people in the house. But boy, him and Kanye alone, that could sell some video there. Kanye in AB's house. <laughs> We need to make a note on that on the notepad. Our house. That's what we just call it. Our house. And every day they who who they be claiming who owns the most of who owns more of the house because of the amount of money that they make or whatever they're doing. Um, oh, Kanye old stuff though. To to just jump back on that was awesome. 
I haven't listened to any, any of the recent Kanye albums, but his first album? Yep. Yeah, I mean, the Kanye period, though, is... Kanye's very, very different to me. And I, honestly, I don't even listen to much of his new stuff as I did the old stuff. But I think what he has mastered, too, though, is keeping people so intrigued that now he's actually selling the process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kanye literally made like six million off of those listening parties and the album was never finished so you kept coming to hear unfinished product and then he would tweak it again and you were in the process the whole time you know which is giving a listener or a fan even more of the experience right and he was making a gang of money and he didn't even put the album out yet maybe because i know we talked about i know we talked about kanye last time right, right? and we kind of focused on maybe he's crazy or, or you know really not all there right right Maybe he's a genius. Well, maybe all of this is a show and he is very sound minded and knows exactly what's going on. And he is making a boatload of money over all this. Well, I, I will say the money keeps coming in. Yeah. The problem I have with it, if it is a show, is him attaching it to real life things. That's if it's a show. Now, if it's a show, right, the part that I really have a problem with is when he does things and then he takes it back to you can't laugh at me because I have a mental health condition. You understand what I'm saying? Like you can't be, yeah. you can't be, you can't be an ass crack. And then all of a sudden, like when you get called out on it, it's suddenly your mental health issue because at some point you have to address the mental health issue right. if you're going to fall back on it. That's true. You understand what I'm That's saying? Fair. But, but I will say I am in agreement with you when we talk about the creating the creative process and how he does it, the amount of records that he's put out and the amount of records that he's sold, even this new film genius, right? Whoever just to be filming a documentary from the start of your career is genius to have it now be a $30 million deal for someone else in your, and the amount of people around Kanye who have blown up creatively, you know, like all the way from, he, he's had an influence on everything, fashion, everything like, and they thought he couldn't do it. Right. So for that part, I will agree with you, genius. The way he's handling his divorce, me and my boys have gone back and forth where they think, man, when you're fighting for love, you're allowed to do anything. I don't agree with that. And I'm, I am, I mean, I'm, as a lawyer, would you advise your client to do anything for love? Um, not like posting on social media. I'm doing it all publicly. No, I mean, look, at the end of the day, he's got kids and, and that's, that's kind of the, the tragedy in all of it, right? I mean, right. he and Kim can do whatever the heck they want. They can not beat each other up physically, but they can beat each other up with words all they want. Fine, cool. They're adults, right? And, and, I, and I by no means am, am advocating for anybody to, to really kind of go after anybody else, right? right? But I mean, when you, when you talk about the fact that they have kids, like just get it over with, figure it out. Just let the kids move on because it's hard enough for them as it is hard enough for any kid to go through a divorce, let alone something that's extremely public. Right. So in COVID times. Yeah. With two of the biggest, uh, I, I would guess stars on the planet, like with, with, the, with how people are in their lives, the cameras at every corner. Oh yeah. It's like gotta the be kids, difficult. The kids can never even come outside without cameras, cameras flashing everywhere. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine, like I couldn't imagine my kids living like that. I mean, I personally want to know here's that, one. But. Here's one for you. Can you imagine you and the missus, you're watching over your kids, TikTok, right? Right. But your kid has a TikTok, And in the comments, it's like, yo, Venmo me 200,000 <laughs> in your four year old, five year old kids, TikTok comments like, yo, your mom give you the combo to the safe. Like that's the kind of stuff that's in in her com in her North's comments on TikTok, people are like, "Yo, tell your mom to cash at me like a thousand dollars, stuff like that." Yeah, I mean, look, people are sick on social media. I'm not saying that that's 
the sick level, but I mean, I see comments on, on mine. I have a five-year-old, right? My oldest is five. Right. There is no way he has a phone or anything else that he can go on any social media with. And that's going to be for the very foreseeable future for him. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I, I can't get past that aspect, right. Of, of having them, but cause you know that there's these sickos online. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, I guess if you're going to do it, I don't know. Well, I got no Kim, words for that. In Kim's defense, though, I don't think she's turned North loose like all the way by herself like that. Ah. And I also think anything with the Kardashians is 90% calculated. You understand what I'm saying? So I almost would venture to say it's like a taste of getting North into it. Because remember, ah. Kylie is borderline billionaire and they bought her in and she barely says anything. Yeah. Think about it. I don't even, I can't even remember really hearing Kylie talk other than on the show. I couldn't point her out to you. And I know one of them has some brands that are really successful. That's Kylie. Oh yeah. Okay. Like that's about, that's the extent of my knowledge. Yeah. Of that, and so with my running fun fact that Kylie barely had lips five, six years ago and sold more lip products than anybody. <laughs> like she really did. Like it's a, I don't know. Um, well, yeah, that, that, that's enough of our news for the week there. <laughs> I don't know. Like the Antonio Brown thing, like I said, I keep seeing him on social media. He actually was at a, uh, he's doing, he did a party this weekend and one of my, one of my boys spots in Atlanta. So I saw again and it just looked just like Kanye was on the flyer. And I was like, dang dude, like you're losing yourself. Like Antonio Brown is really like a lot of dudes look up to him as like a really dope football player. And now it's becoming almost like, I hate when it becomes comedy. I think that's what bothers me when, when you become comedy on the internet and you know, the internet's looking for anything to, oh, to yeah. bring you down, you know? So that's the part I hope he gets through. Like, and if there's something wrong with him mentally, I hope he gets through it. And if he wants to play again, I hope that, you know, he fixes everything and then he's back in the league and being good though, not just a shell of himself, you know? Yeah, no, look, he's always going to be a good player, right? I mean, I guess eventually he's not going to be because eventually you're going to get old and not be able to run routes like that. But, right. you know, as long as he's able to, he's still going to be good. But is it going to be worth anybody's hassle of what you what goes along with it? Right. Well, and the Bucks problem, the Bucks thing was huge. Right. In and of itself, every, take everything else aside. If he was hurt and if any of the comments made back and forth were accurate. Fine. You can get through that. Right. You can survive all of that on both sides. The fact that you take your pads off and run off the field during a game, that that says a lot. And I mean, you got a question if anybody's going to take that chance. Yeah, that was big. So I so I recommend to any any high school kid watching this, like, don't leave the field that way. Yeah. Like, if if you have to leave the field, maybe talk to a coach and leave a lot more quieter than that. Like, that's maybe a, just wait till the game's over. Like, you're not changing anything. I, I think right. what, was it half? It was. Just after halftime, or it was still a lot of game left. There's like 30 minutes of your life left. Right. Just hang out. There was a lot just, of game left. They're paying you for that whole game. Just hang out and relax for a half. Man, if listen. you can't go in, you can't go in, and you just tell them you can't go in. Boom. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, maybe that's the rational thought process. Yeah, I, I don't. I, honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So that's that's kind of why, like I said, um, having you here is awesome because you know it's almost like a bar conversation, but then. If there's ever facts involved, I'm asking the right guy because you know me. I will give your ass a fun fact or a fact that's like might be a little shaky, but that's why that's why I always like when you're here. My facts um, can be fun. No, no, no. And like I said, you're a great conversation. Don't ever take it like I think that, oh, I got this lawyer here. He's just here to tell me the facts, folks. He's not a good talk. Like, no, like, like. 
dude, I even I even asked could we create a whole segment for this guy? That's how that's how great I think he is. <laughs> that's it. Like, you know, all facts with the law father. Um, why well, I really wanted to have you back this week, though, and we and um actually I, I'm not sure if I'm having you back or if you're having me here because we're in Law Father headquarters, which is good for me though. I, I actually I'm I want to start moving around with the pod, so I appreciate you letting me even come here. You are welcome to come here anytime you want to shoot the pod. That might be, now that might be a move. You can do it anytime, seriously. Anytime, this room, I only use this room. Those of you who are listening to us, it's all decked out. These are actually soundproof right behind us and on this wall. So it's uh, it's done up pretty well. Not a lot of um, uh, echo. So you're welcome here anytime. I only use this for video. Is Other it safe for rappers? Yeah, Because I, I ask that because you know a lot of rappers, they, you know, cases or, you know, Paraphernalia. They don't want I mean, to. This is a law firm. Yeah, so, tell them. I, mean, I tell them. I'd be like, dude, like you have to be prepared when you arrive at the studios if we record there. And there's no, you know, because we've done some video interviews and these dudes just be sparking like right in the interview. But I take it it's rappers. I mean, if anything comes up, we will just you know, you know, the old uh, what was that show that um, Better Call Saul? Oh, you know, there you go. Give me a dollar and sign this paper. Now I'm your attorney. Now you have privilege. <laughs> we'll just do that same thing. Dude, you see the facts? You see the things I learn here? You see the things I learn here? I'm not sure that's actually accurate, but it sounds really good for TV. The, the, I don't even think you need the dollar. You just got to, hey, just sign up. Retainer. Done. And I always have paper. Oh, see? I should bring a pen, yeah. though, because Jason says I only want to I only want to <laughs> write in pencil, so I probably should bring a pen. Um, yeah. We have those here, actually. This this place looks like it's always prepared. That's why I'm saying, like, <laughs> I, I am going to come back here. Um Big deal that I wanted to talk to you about because we talk about a lot of things to me when I when I when I come see you um, pertaining to legal and factual versus what people believe in the street, what people believe online. Right. And we're looking at 10 years ago, uh, February 26, 2012. We lost a 17 year old kid named Trayvon Martin uh, shot and killed over in uh, Sanford, Florida, was a pretty big deal even more than a pretty big deal. I mean, first of all, we lost a 17-year-old kid, but shot by a security guard who was actually supposed to be, in my opinion, there's no other way to put it, protecting the very neighborhood that Trayvon was in visiting his father, right? We got all of that. We got all kinds of things that go along with this, right? We got um, Trayvon was in a hoodie, had gone to 7-Eleven, Skittles, Arizona iced tea, which I don't know why that's even a part of it. But of course, you know, they get what he's doing that night shows on video. He's in the store. No crimes committed. Nothing like that. Walking back to his dad's house begins to get followed by the security guy, George Zimmerman. Right now. And this is just to the gist of the story. Zimmerman had been known for targeting young black males and and it's a, it's not a it's not nothing I'm making up it's what he called the police on constantly it's who he watched the type of person he watched way more than he watched anybody else not to mention he wasn't even a real cop you know he wasn't even a real let's get that out he's not even a real cop but he is carrying a nine millimeter gun and he was licensed to carry that gun right I believe so yes. okay okay so that's not yeah because there would have been an additional charge yes. right so, yeah, he was so he was he was licensed to carry that gun now in the course of that of that evening, when he saw Trayvon, he started following him. He did call it in. They knew him, of course. But one of the things that I took from it was they told him specifically, don't follow the person. We don't need you to follow them. We're gonna we're on our way. We don't need you to follow him. He continued to follow him. Now, this is where it kind of got murky at. The confrontation took place. Trayvon was on the phone, whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop here and there. Um 
they get into a tussle. Somehow or another, however close he was, they get into a tussle. Within them getting into this tussle, there's some confusion about who actually yelled for help. Now, one of the things that I've learned about that part is that a few of the neighbors actually say that they heard a young teenage boy yell for help. Also, one of the fun facts about this, and I say fun fact, not meaning funny, but if we're looking into facts, um, is that one of the neighbors also said that the investigating officer on the scene told them to change their story or had them, you know, somehow had them change their story. Again, I don't know all of that part to be totally true, but the part that gets me is how this became a stand your ground case, a big stand your ground case. Now, before I give it to you, this, this is one of the biggest discussions that I have in the barbershop or in anywhere that this conversation comes up. And I always say this, I say George Zimmerman had a great lawyer, right? Because if you're going by the law and you could tell me if I'm wrong from what I get out of this, right? George Zimmerman, what was wrong in every aspect of this following the kid pretty much harassing him checking him when he he's like bro i don't got to tell you where i'm going i'm going back to my dad's house i don't owe you an explanation all of that right but where they were able to win the case is when they got into the tussle he was losing and in losing then it became i fear for my life i pull my weapon i shoot this kid now, I don't know how much you know, may know more than I do about the case, but when we're talking stand your ground, is that exactly where he became able to win this case in, in the eyes of the law? This has, it, there's so many different layers, right? Gotcha. So there's, there's so many pieces to kind of touch on, but let's just focus on that one part for the moment. Gotcha. So they actually elected not to, and I know, I remember actually from all of the news it was, this is a stand your ground case, stand your ground, stand your ground, stand your ground. Right. They actually elected not to pursue ah. stand your ground. So, and let me take a step back actually, cause it's stand your ground is really super complicated, right? Uh, it's, it's simple, but it's also complicated all at the same time because it can be invoked at any step in the process. So law enforcement can invoke it and say, we didn't make an arrest because of stand your ground just like that downtown Tampa shooting that we were talking about and, and that they're cooperating, right? right? So the police could go, yep, we're going to say that this falls under stand your ground and it's self-defense and we're going to leave it under there. There's, there's all different pieces that fall in line when you make that determination versus just not charging somebody. Gotcha. Okay? A judge can do it, a prosecutor can do it, or a jury can do it. Okay, And if a jury's doing it, they're doing it at the end of a trial, right? That one of the kickers is, is if you win, you can actually get some of your attorney fees back. Okay. And, and you're immune from civil prosecution. Uh. So that's, that's one part of it. And, and, and look, when you're talking about a criminal case, right, we're always talking about guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and all the facts leading up to it, bad for Zimmerman, right? Facts afterwards, bad for him as well. You know what the problem becomes in convicting him of that? And obviously they didn't convict him. Here we are 10 years later and, and we know he wasn't convicted. Right. You know what the major problem is with getting him convicted? What was it? The middle port. We have no idea what happened. No idea. Right. All we know is what we have an idea of how it ended. Right. So we know how it ended. Right. We know how it began. But we don't know how we got from that beginning to the end. And that is where in the criminal side that that guilty beyond reasonable doubt really comes into play, especially when you have something murky like, we know he got shot. Right. We know who shot him. 
and we know some kind of altercation ensued, right? But what we don't know is, did Zimmerman take a rock and hit himself in the face with it? Did Martin really hit himself in the face with it? Or hit himself, hit uh, Zimmerman in the face, whether it was a closed fist or an object or whatever else, right? We just don't know. So that makes that part really very, very difficult. Okay, let me stop you here because this is what everyone would say back. Yeah. Why does that matter? Like, like why does that, why is that middle piece so important? Like, like what you're saying in, in when you say rock, right, there was a, there was talk of a, a I just made that up. Okay. No, but there was talk that he said something about Trayvon Martin bung his, took his head and was bang. He was had him and was banging his head on the sidewalk or something yeah. like that. Yep. So right. there was a, there was a mention of, like you said, cement and that sort of thing. Why is that so super important though? So, I mean, if, if you're in fear, right, if you're getting your head beat against a concrete, you know, whether it's a rock or concrete or whatever else, I mean, you you should be in fear of your life, right? right. I mean, look, I'm six foot, you're five seven. Right. If you're on top of me and you're banging my head into the concrete, yeah, you could end my life, right? I mean, that's just the reality or cause me serious bodily harm. And that's the standard, right? So you don't, I don't have to think that you're going to kill me necessarily. But if I just think that you're going to cause me serious bodily harm, I can defend myself. Now we can get now, you know, I think after we touch on, on all this, we get into Sandra ground because it's, it's really a catalyst to this whole thing. Right? No, I mean, and no, like, I mean, your clarification of this thing, I think a lot of people need to hear, you know, because again, you know, everybody now, right. Everybody's talking about, uh, carrying, carrying a legal, carrying a weapon legally, right. Uh, um, conceal weapon permits and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I think you're also getting into very murky waters on when exactly you can use that weapon, you know? And I think some people are actually confused about when it is self-defense or when can it be self-defense right? or when it's not self-defense. Yeah. And, and, and Florida's law and they call it controversial. I don't know if it's controversial, I like it from my perspective because I'm responsible, right? And I'm not saying that I'm above anybody else, but I spent six years in law enforcement. Right. I learned and was trained on when to use a gun, when not to use a gun, right? I, uh, when I started in 2006, we're in 2022, however many years that makes it, right? I've been carrying since 2006. Do you know how many times I have actually pulled out a gun outside of when I was working at the sheriff's office and on duty, so off duty or now just as a concealed weapons holder in all those years? How many? Zero. Zero times have I ever felt the need that I need to pull it out. Once it's out, that's it. I mean, it's it's kind of game on. You're already, you're already past that point. Right. You know, it, it's time to dance. That person should be doing something to you that, hey, you know what? I am in fear for my life or, you know, hey, you know what? Someone's threatening your life and you know, I'm going to protect you. Because the law actually allows me to protect you just as much as it allows me to protect myself. Right. So, I mean, that's that's how severe it should be. And, and you have guys like Zimmerman. I'm not going to give him a pass on this by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, I don't know what happened in the middle there. But I know, at least from what I can tell outside looking in, there's a lot of missteps in that, right? And and, and think about, I don't know if you've ever lived in a, a community with an HOA. I have, and it's uh, miserable. Living one now. Yeah. Okay. What, what are the type of people? And because and, I think he was kind of the, the quote unquote security for the homeowners association, yes. right? He wasn't truly a, I think he was a security guard by trade maybe, right. but was not employed right. in they, that neighborhood. I don't think he was hired. Like you, you right. patrol this neighborhood for yeah. us every night. Right. Think about the people on your HOA board. How many of those people are power hungry? 
right? I mean, it drove me. The last time I lived in one, I sold my house, moved out, said I'm never going back to one, right? That, and it seems to breed that type of person. So you put that type of person into a position of power, right? right. And you're putting them in as the security person and you're giving that person a gun, right? And, and, and the dispatcher's telling him, don't go follow him. And he goes and follows him. Right. So I think that's where, where the breakdown is, right. It is, Hey, Zimmerman was that type of person who was already kind of hyped up and, and kind of drunk off the power that you have from having that position. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get that guy. Now, do I, I don't know if it was a racial thing, right? I mean, maybe there's a history there, right? Right. But at the same time, is it a racial thing or is it a, Hey, I have the power thing and I'm going to go because I have the power. And, and which I think is probably a little bit more dangerous because it's, it, I mean, it's just it's out there. You, you never stop that. Right. You can't ever stop somebody who wants the power. When we're talking about history, right? Yeah. We're talking about a person's history. And you say, because one of the things that, that they, they did talk about Zimmerman, right, was that he has a history of mainly when he's doing this job, being worried about young black males. That seems to concern him. If he sees a young black male, yeah. way more than if he sees a white lady walking by with groceries or a white lady getting out of a car, you know, a young white kid, like this is, this is what concerns him. Does that history necessarily mean though that they can bring that into a case like this and be like, well, you see what he does. He does this all the time. Or as a good attorney, which like I said, I think he had one you immediately start separating that going, this is one incident. This is not these other incidents. So pattern in history, generally speaking, is not admissible in court. So all of that past stuff most likely doesn't come into play. There's certain ways sometimes you can, but here's kind of the textbook law school example. If you're and I don't know why it always comes back to car accidents, but you're in a car, right? And you get in a car accident. And the fence tries to say that you weren't wearing your seatbelt, but I was in the car with you and I drive with you all the time, right? And I say every single time he puts his seatbelt on, I've never, I've been in the car with him, you know, however many times, every single time, more than one, right? More than right. two, right? But every single time he's got a seatbelt on. You can use that for history to show every single time he's done it this way, right? So therefore this time he most likely did it the same way he did it every other time, right? But a history like Zimmerman's really tough to get in because you can't go, hey, all of them were like that because I could go, Here, here's the devil's advocate on it is, well, maybe he just chooses not to know the black families in the neighborhood. So he doesn't know the people when he sees them. So to him, it's an unknown person. Whereas the other people, the white people or the Spanish or whoever's over there, he tends to hang out with them more and knows them. And when he sees the people, he doesn't go up to them because he knows them. I'm not saying that's right. Or right. I'm just saying there's the other side to it from the legal side. But actually, though, you did just now exactly what I wanted to hear. Because I think a lot of times in these conversations and, you know, you get your haircut that, you know, how barbershop conversations are, right? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of homeboy rhetoric. And I love it because it's a, it's a, it's these are usually dope conversations to me. Right. But when you start talking lawyer talk, you start talking the court of court of law and what matters when you're trying to prove a case and you start laying those words out differently. Yeah. It becomes a very big deal when it comes time to try to prove someone guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And that is why I wanted to talk to you right there. Yeah. And I think, how do we get people to understand that part though? You understand what I'm saying? Like, right. like I'm sure you have clients, you have to be like, this is why I'm telling you this. This is why I need you to stop doing this, 
right? And and you know, and I've heard you say it maybe to me before. It's or you know, I watch enough lawyer shows, right? It's not what I think I know. It's what I can prove. Right. And when I hear you talk sometimes and lay things out to me, I go, that's the difference in the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. And like, let's touch back on on the fact that there were witnesses who said that maybe law enforcement told them to change their story. Doubtful, right? I mean, there, what officer out there, right? And, and having been in that position at the end of the day, and, and, and don't, I don't want you or anybody else to take, that's listening to take right. this the wrong way. It's a garden variety shooting. Like I've worked shootings. I've worked a lot of things. And guess what? You're there every day and you're dealing with this every single day. Right? So yes, it is a big deal. Right? But when you're working in that, right? This is your garden variety case, right? Two people that get in a thing and there's a shooting and, and someone dies, right? It's big. It's big. Don't get me wrong. Right. But look, if you treat everything in law enforcement as if it's big every single time, you'll burn yourself out, right? So to them, it's a garden variety case. There's no incentive for any of them to go to any witness and go, you should change your story, right? Now, what I could see go on and I could see where it could get twisted is some of the interviewing techniques that exist. And, and I mean, I, I use it to this day is that you ask a person, you have them recount everything, right? And then because you know certain pieces already before you're talking to that person. So you're having them tell you and you want to vet whether or not what they're telling you is accurate or truthful, right? Because maybe they're lying. Right. And I'm not saying these witnesses were, but just in general as, as a technique, Maybe they're lying. So then you start picking bits and pieces out and you have them re start recounting a story from a, from a specific spot. And then you start, you know, kind of moving down the line and seeing what, how that story changes, if it changes and introducing pieces from other things that you've heard or been privy to. Right. So, you know, it could be that it could be, you know, even just challenging. Hey, how do you know that it was a 17 year old that you heard Joe? How do you know that? Have you ever heard George Zimmerman speak? How do you know he doesn't have a voice that sounds like a 17-year-old? How do you know Trayvon Martin doesn't have a voice that sounds like a 30-year-old? Right. Right? So you start piecing away, piecing at that to try to figure out, okay, what does this person actually know? Or what do they think that they know? Everybody wants to be a witness. But not all witnesses are actually witnesses. Is it standard procedure when a shooting like this happens for the shooter to be... Uh, tested for drugs and alcohol because according to this and again more facts and this is hindsight us looking back well was it even standard practice back then I'm not sure if you remember that you know in a shooting like this that the shooter should be tested for alcohol and for drugs I mean I, I, it's a good practice especially in something like this where everybody's right there um, you know we we'd have to look back I, I can't remember we, I just talked a lot about the Curtis, Curtis Reeves shooting which was a theater shooting in Pasco County right, right? Um, kind of similar in some senses different in a lot of senses also right um, same premise shooter you know supposed stand your ground type of thing um, but I, I think it makes a lot of sense that they would have it, you know just it, it's illegal to carry a gun while you're drunk or high. Right. So, you know, that's, it's prudent too. Yeah. But they didn't, I don't even like, and I guess I, I think part of the thing too, and you, you and I have talked about this too off camera. I think the racial part makes a lot of this crazy to someone black like me, because yeah. I just know that it wouldn't have been, or I just feel super strongly that if I would have shot a white kid like that night, right. 
it just wouldn't have gone the same way for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I would probably be been locked up that night. I would have more than likely been all kinds of tested for everything. My history of everything would have been blatantly thrown out there, thrown out there. And I think that's the biggest part that makes this whole thing even even more, you know, because it just seemed like Zimmerman mocked everything. You know, it just seemed like every, you know, everybody in around. And I, like I said, again, I think his lawyer just did a great job of being an attorney. And I didn't think that I didn't think that he was disrespectful in any way. He just did a great job as a defense attorney. You know, Marco Mara, I think his name was. He just did a yeah, I think you're right. he just did a great job as a defense attorney. And that made me look at a lot of things and really made me want to have this talk even more. You know, because I again I don't want people to confuse, you know, what they think they know about self-defense or stand your ground and be like, well, you know, George Zimmerman did this to one of our kids. And then it's all kinds of things, like you said, that go into play, you know, along with the fact that we know how quick race can be into something, you know. Right. And I think it, it muddies the waters. Right. Let's let's peel everything else back and let's just look at what our system is based off of, especially the criminal system. We would rather let somebody walk free. Right who should be guilty, right? Who should be in prison. Then do put somebody in prison who is actually innocent. Now, I don't want to get into the, <laughs> right. all, there's all these people who are, are, you know, yes, now we have DNA and, and everything else that, that we're finding that there are some people who actually were innocent. But the basic principle of the system is, number one, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. And the reason for that is we would rather set a guilty person free than to send an innocent person to prison. Just basic without, like I said, without any debate. Right, right, without any other, adding, yeah, we could. Yeah, because I was going to screamed out Central Park Five. <laughs> you know, I just almost did a few things there. But again, to your point though, which is, which is is very should be valid. I know um, they were just. It was funny too because I'm not funny, haha. But um, I just read an article um, in the New York Daily News about all of these cases, all the amount of money that taxpayers have to pay because New York has. It was like five or six cases that New York has wrongfully had people jail for. One guy just got like 13 million, been in jail for like 25 years, which he can never get back, but yeah. I guess 13 million helps. But I don't know. 25 I million, that. 25 million in, in a New York prison system. I don't think, I don't think, thir I don't think 13 million is gonna, I don't think, like you said, I don't think, people be like, well, you do, you do that for 13 million? I don't think that's something that I would do. Speaking of money, did you, did you know uh, Zimmerman sued a bunch of people, including Martin's parents for $100 million? I did. I do know that I did. I think I did see that he sued them. Did he? Did he get any money out of suing people? Well, so little. I won't call it fun fact, but I'll, I'll steal the fun fact. Right. So in 2019, the case was voluntarily dismissed with prejudice, which on his face seems very benign. I would guarantee you there was some settlement, and he must have gotten some money from it. From somebody. From somebody. So who did he? And it was probably confidential. And no one's allowed to speak on it. I mean, we do those all the time, right? Where we we have confidential settlement agreements and the case just literally shows a dismissal with prejudice, a voluntary dismissal with, pre with prejudice. And the with, with prejudice part so that everybody okay, understands. Yeah. So what that means is that you can't go back and sue the person again. It means it's over. It's done. Uh, you can't, can't go back at them anytime. If you do it without prejudice, if you dismiss a case without prejudice, you can sue that person later on for the same thing. It's like double jeopardy with the criminal law where you can't be charged for the same crime twice. Right. Wow. So do you, do we know who else he sued? We know he sued their parent, his uh, Trayvon's there parents. There was the parents, uh, one of the witnesses and, uh, there was somebody else. There was a, it was a few people. And this is all for defamation. 
Yeah, def- it, along those lines. Yeah, there's part of it was defamation. There wasn't a ton on it, and I didn't actually look deep, deep into it because I figured it would just be a small fun fact, if you will. Was that one of your colleagues, though, that thought of that? Well, you think that was a lawyer that said, you know, we can sue some people? I mean, what do you think? I mean, just, I mean, outside looking in. Do you think George Zimmerman was sitting in the house one day and goes, I'm going to sue some people? Or do you think someone said, you know, you can sue some people? This is just your opinion. Probably a combination of the two, in all honesty. He might have asked, right? Can I, can I sue somebody? Yeah. I, I mean, I would bet that's how that went. <laughs> right. You know how many times I have that conversation people go, can we do that, Mike? Yeah, you can, but what are you going to get out of it? Right. right. So far different from this situation, but, and, and we haven't even really touched on Sandra ground and all this. No, we haven't, but I still got one more thing because there was just so much money around George Zimmerman too. When all this went on, right? Like the, the lawyer fund, like the GoFundMe they set up or whatever. Wasn't there like a bunch of money in that to pay for his defense? Like, so apparently some of those are fraudulent. Wow. Yeah. That people were setting up these accounts. Cause I, there was something that he came out and said, these are fraudulent. Zimmerman himself apparently came out and said that these some of these accounts are fraudulent. But there was an actual one that was for him, right? I don't know if there actually was an official one because when I was reading about it, it had just said that, the, that they were fraudulent. I mean, sometimes these criminal defense lawyers that will take on these high-profile cases just to make a name for themselves and they'll take very little money. Um, right. uh, who was that? Casey Anthony? Okay. Her, her lawyer took it on for free and then wrote a book and made money off the book from it. Well, there was a, I th- that's another one that I but, don't, you know, I don't, I'm still trying to figure out how yeah, you and me both. Yeah. That was, that was like, and, and is that one of those things too, that we talk about? And, and this is Casey Anthony's case, right? Casey Anthony, her daughter was missing. Wasn't it like a month? Long time. Her daughter was missing a long time, right? She was found in the back of the, her trunk, she right? Was found in the, she was found in the trunk or, or, yeah, no. Was she actually in the trunk when they found her? Or, or no, DNA had, or something. Yeah, the DNA yeah. was in there. And also it smelled like a decomposed body from what, I, if I remember correctly. Those don't smell good, by right. the way, and she was And she was found later on. But the thing that got me that I was just wondering, this is one of those things that, Again, when I say barbershop talk, right, we just wonder what's taking this so long. Because I know right now with my kid, if I'm supposed to have him and he goes missing 15 days, 30 days, and I'm telling all kinds of lies. I'm blaming the babysitter. I'm blaming somebody at Universal Studios. What took so long? Why does it take so long to prosecute someone for someone to go, let's charge her? Well, and maybe you give me put your law enforcement hat on here, I I guess. I think part of it was they didn't have a body to begin with. Right. I think that may have been part of the delay because, you know, she's she's missing person and and mom is kind of a victim at that point. Right. But when you find the body, I think it went went pretty quick when they found her, if I remember correctly. And we're going off. We're going. Yeah, this is kind of a memory thing. I'm I'm trying to get here. I think I think once they found the body, I think they moved pretty quickly. At least into an investigation. Right. But who the heck is driving around with a car that smells like decomposed body? Well, I mean, oh my God. Well, I mean, who also is going to tell everybody that their daughter's with a babysitter that the babysitter can immediately tell you, I've never had the kid. Like, like that's like no, me saying, yeah. right. Like that, that's a lie that I don't even understand how you remotely think you get away with. Like I go, I left my kid at, at Lawfather Studios, Lawfather headquarters. You can immediately go, there's never been a kid here. You yeah. know, she took them all around Universal Studios and everything else, knowing that the kid wasn't there. And that's what, I, like, to me, I just feel like I'm arrested right there. I think you want to believe them, though. Like, I think, who wants to believe 
that any parent can do that to their kid. But I think even more so, and I, I think you and I would be in the same boat in this, right? Dads tend to, there's been more dads that have done heinous things, I think, than moms. And I, and I think that as the mom, I think mom gets a, gets a pass as long as they can give mom a pass, right? I mean, because who wants to believe that a mom could do that to her kid? Right. No one. I mean, you. well, if you're going by, and I don't know exact stats, but I probably would venture to say a dad would probably first, but... I don't know the Casey that that's like that's an, another yeah, thing. Let's, that's let's that's get a terrible to, one. But anyway, let's get back to to stand your ground to get a, a clear understanding or clearer understanding because I'm not sure if I'll ever totally understand it. Um, stand your ground. First, this this question is it only a Florida thing? It exists in other places, but ours is wild west, right? <laughs> um, it's actually it's very simple, right? It it, it is made to be co- sound complicated. Boil it down to its lowest common denominator. It's very simple, right? And actually, the official motion is a motion for immunity is what the actual motion is. I, actually, I have one actually pending right now here in Hillsborough County. Um, so maybe maybe an update at the end of the month when uh, when we actually have the hearing on it. Um, wow. Yeah, but, but the basics of it is this. If you're in a place that you're lawfully allowed to be in and somebody, and it's a two-part, uh, it's a two-part statute, right? So if you look at statutes, sometimes they'll have a little description of what it is, and then they'll have a part one and a part two. And what those part ones and parts twos are essentially like degrees of how bad things have to be in this situation. So part one is my ability to defend myself when it's non-deadly, right? Meaning that you come up and I see that you have a fist cocked back and you're ready to hit me. What can I do? Right. I can't shoot you because you have a fist. Right. Yeah. Could you make the argument that a fist is a deadly weapon? You could, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not legitimate. So like in law enforcement, I always knew if some guy was coming up and they were going to punch me in the head, I knew I had to do something. I had to move. I had to just make sure that I didn't get hit and knocked out because it could become deadly because, well, we always had guns. Right. Right. But regular person, everything else. You go and yeah, you might knock me out. Yeah. Theoretically, could you kill me with a punch? Yeah. Maybe I hit my head on the corner of this desk and you know, down I go and that's it. Right. right. But by and large, it's not deadly. So I can't meet your non-deadly force with deadly force. Okay. So that's the first part of the subsection, right? So you come after me. I'm in a place where I'm lawfully allowed to be in. You come at me. I don't have to run away. There's your stand your ground, right? That's where stand your ground comes in. I can stand my ground as you're Ooh. coming at me. Okay. Okay. And you're coming to punch me and I can punch you back. That's the first part of it. Can I, can I throw this in there? Sure. Five, seven and three quarters. Please don't ever leave that <laughs> off. Five, seven and three quarters. That's what I am. Buck 48, buck 53 on a good day. Bucks linebacker. Clearly 240. Right. 245. Grabs my girlfriend's butt in the club. I got a whole scenario in my mind. <laughs> Grabs my girlfriend's butt in the club. I turn around and go, dude, come on, man. Like, bro, you know me, man. Like, why? Man, shut up, little DJ guy. Bro, you got chill, bro. Pushes me. Bro, I'm already like, first of all, 100 pounds on me easy. Works out every day is muscle. Here comes the fist. I definitely feel like this could be it. 
Yeah. I may not get up from this one. Do I have a better stand your ground case or do I still not have a stand your ground case? By, and we're just talking about yeah. the first part of it, right. right? Because to me, him weighing 100 more pounds than I do, him being professional football player, everybody in this room sees he is clearly bigger than me. Touches my girlfriend's ass. That's a side. I'm not even going right. that far. I'm not even I'm not even going to. I should have used deadly force. OK, no, I shouldn't have. But that part. Now, going by what you just told me, does that put the the first part of that law in a gray area? It, yeah. And I think you actually do move into the second one, but I think you get into a gray area with that. But let's change your guy to, let's just say, an MMA champ. Right, where his fists are it. a deadly weapon. But you know, there's no real such thing as that. Oh, I thought that's a, I thought that's what they said it about sounds, boxers. I thought they it said sounds good in the movies. I thought, they, I thought that I could have sworn. And again, I get this from a barber shop. You see what you see. You see why I need you here because I thought that like let's use Mike Tyson. I thought that if I'm not mistaken, coming from. I think my barber told me this and he knows everything. My barber knows everything. They all do. Shouts out to Mel, my barber slash therapist slash, I don't know. But a barber's hands, I mean, not a barber, a boxer's hands barber's are hands considered. Be deadly too. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I've seen some, some dudes get up out of a chair and that barber had some deadly hands and whoo, you should know your head is dead, bro. But let's just, let's talk a, a boxer. Sure. I could have sworn I've heard at least 17 barbers and 18 other dudes in a barbershop say that Mike Tyson's hands are considered a deadly weapon. So it's kind of a half right thing, right? There's no official designation of that, right? But take your same scenario, right? And you got Mike Tyson there and you're not the aggressor, right? He starts it and you go, dude, what, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? Right. And he pushes you. Then you see him coming and you see him cock back like he's going to punch you. Right. Oh, yeah. You, you, me, Jason, I, I think we all have carte blanche to shoot him. Right. Uh, absolutely. Right. Or use some sort of deadly force. So it doesn't have to be. Here's the thing. It doesn't have to be a gun. It could be a knife. It could be um, a rock. It could be anything, any, any type of deadly force. I, I think you would be in that part, too, which is because it's not just death. Right. So it's not just that being punched by Mike Tyson could kill you. It could cause you great bodily harm. Right. So part two is that you can defend yourself with deadly force if death or great bodily harm is imminent. So that's part two of it. That's part two of it. Yeah. So that's when the part two is when you can use deadly force. So Mike Tyson punching you. And I, and I want to say that I've actually seen um, uh, kind of the physics on Mike Tyson's punching that it actually like you have about 100 percent chance of having brain damage as a result of getting punched in the head by Mike Tyson. Especially bare fist, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess what people don't necessarily know about boxing is those gloves have some padding in them. And, and, and when you're in the professional ranks and you're, and you're fighting a heavyweight fight, there's not that much padding. Right. But there's still some. Right. So it takes a little bit off. And if you'd like to see the damage that a Mike Tyson punch can do, you can Google Mitch Green. Right. Isn't it Mitch Green? He hit Mitch Green with bare fist in, in, a, in a bar or something in, in Brooklyn back in the day. Uh, some some bar Mike Tyson got into it with Mitch Green, who's also a boxer, and Mitch Green did not look. He looked like he might have wished he had deadly force, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> but so 
With that being said, and I don't know if he saw it coming because from what I understand, Mike Tyson's hands are so quick, you're not going to even, you're not seeing that coming. Well, that's the other part of the problem. (laughs) Right. You know, for the deadly force. Okay, so that's the second part of it. Right. So, you know, you you have to legally be there, right? So you can't trespass, right? Ah. Or you can't be breaking into someone's house, right? You you can't break into someone's house, shoot the homeowner and go, well, I was acting in self-defense because the homeowner was going to shoot me. No, you just bought that bag by breaking into that guy's house, right? right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you, you, the, so once you're lawfully there and someone's attacking you, you either have one or you have two. One being that you can fight back without deadly force to stop it, or two, the force is sufficient coming towards you that you can use deadly force. Now, what's interesting is back when Zimmerman was running Stand Your Ground, and I would wonder if they would do it differently today, the way the law is written today versus then, because it is even easier today than it was then. So we talk about burdens, right, on the legal side. And what the burden is really just saying, who has to, who has to prove it, right? Is it the defense that has to prove it or the state that has to prove it, right? Who has, to, so in a criminal trial to, to kind of break it down, the state has to prove that the defendant did it. Okay, so if right. the state doesn't prove it, they don't win. Okay, stand your ground when Zimmerman case was going on, and up until I think about three years ago, right, maybe four now at this point, it all kind of blends together. But it was on the defense to prove. That's what I was going to ask you. Okay, it was on the yeah, it was on the defense to prove that it was self defense, right, and that it was reasonable and all the elements to it, all the facts that come into play with it. The defense had to prove that it was self defense. But they chose not to even use the standing ground. They just fought that he was innocent. Right. Well, they argued self-defense. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So, but which not, was, but they didn't use the stand your ground portion where they had to prove that it was an actual stand your ground case. Right. They, but they went for, this was self-defense. That's why he did use the force that he used. Correct. Because the reality is if they had tried to run a stand your ground motion on it, the, with no other witnesses, he would have had to testify. And that's what they didn't you want. You would not want him to test. You don't want generally speaking, broad generalization, you don't want a defendant testifying anyway. You definitely don't want a defendant testifying twice because they can use that first testimony to call you a liar on your second testimony, if it, if it differs at all, right? Uh, it's called impeachment. So if you ever hear on TV, they're talking about impeachment. Right. Basically, they're just saying, you said it one way here, and you said it differently here, so now you're lying here because you said it this way here. So you don't want that, right, in a criminal case at all. But they've changed it now. So now the, the defense just has to prove what's called a prima facie case of self-defense. And what that means is, it, I don't know why the law likes Latin. Like, just call it what it is, right? <laughs> right. But it, it means on its face, right? So on its face of what happened, it's self-defense. Now the state then has to prove that it's not self-defense. So ah. they flip the burden, right, the, of who has to prove what onto the state, which makes it more in line, actually, with the way a criminal trial goes anyway. So basically what you're saying is it's not in any way, shape or form as black and white as it sounds. It is not. And, and, and I, I'd love to, because we, we get into these like big stories, right. That, that are outside of what the normal person's most likely going to run into. Right. I'd love to reconnect on this after March, after at the end of March, after I have my hearing mm-hmm. and I get the, hopefully the case goes away and I can get the necessary okays to talk about it because it's not some like outlandish set of scenarios. It is really, truly speaking, something that 
could happen to anybody in everyday life. Right. Well, we're getting, uh, when speaking of that, we're getting a lot of these, these, uh, road rage videos that we see. Right. And, and, and let's, let's talk about that. Right. George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. One of the things you mentioned is we don't know what happened in between. Right. Why is it so often that we see something though? And let's not even put color in it. Let's just put road rage. Some guy gets out of his car. He starts walking to my window. He's banging on my window. Him just knocking on my window, though, that probably, going by what you're saying, would not be considered putting my life in jeopardy. But what if I feel like that because this guy's gotten all the way out of his car and I'm not even saying he has a stick right now, but I have seen videos where a guy's banging on a window and he's got a pipe or whatever. Does that start to push the, we start getting in that gray area now of like whether I feel like I'm fear for my, people have said they're, they are in fear for their life or something like that? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, and I'll go back to the law enforcement training that I've had, right? You know one of the most dangerous places to be? The driver's seat of a car. Wow. Even as a deputy, with a, with, you know, a gun on your side that you can easily get to, you know how hard it is to get to while you're seated in a car? With the seatbelt on with most, the, yeah. most of the time. Even without a seatbelt. The and we ran through scenarios with that and and how difficult that it was right. So now think about it like this: you're just Joe Citizen out there. You're you're probably stopped at a red light if this is happening, right? And you know, yeah, you should stop far enough back that you could maneuver out. But let's be honest: most of us don't, right? right? I don't always. <laughs> Sometimes I do, right? But but what if you're in the middle lane? And even if you left yourself space, cars on either side, and you got this guy coming up and banging on your window, you don't really have anywhere to go. You can't really climb over and go to the passenger seat. It's not really realistic in most cars. What if you have a passenger and then you gotta wait for that person to get out, then you gotta get out. So th- there's all these other factors. So I, th- I yeah, I, I think you have a much better and easier ability to go, yes, it was self-defense because I got this guy banging on my window. Now, can you go shoot that guy or if they're just banging with their fist on the window? No, probably not. Can you shoot the guy before the window breaks? That you know, gray area, extreme gray area. But once it breaks and he's still swinging a pipe and there's nowhere for you to go. Well, even in Florida, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to show that you could go anywhere. Right. right? So, I mean, could you? Yeah. I, I mean, I would think so. And I actually was going to throw in there that as always, like, that's the reason I've seen them is because someone is recording that. Yeah, that's that, true. Would that video be soup? That video becomes super cru- crucial. I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. The case I'm talking that I've mentioned to you, I have video. Ah, so does the state. But the interpretation is probably very different on both sides. Um, normally, yes. well, the, interpre- the interpretation is very different because the video is extremely blurry, so it's really difficult to see what happened. Ah, okay. Yes. <laughs> Man, well, like I said. I appreciate you as always, because, um, again, and, and, and I laugh a lot about saying that barbershop talk, you know what I'm saying? But, and, and, and I enjoy it, you know, barbershop banter to me is even better than watching sports shows sometimes on ESPN. It is because you get all these opinions and you get these fans, you get people, and then you get into these conversations that are about real news that's happening, you know? And one of the things that I can say that, that I really want the next generation to understand is a lot of these things have consequences. These actions have consequences, right? Absolutely. And one of the things that you said that I say all the time is 
once you pull that gun though, you're in a very different space, you know? Oh, yeah. And you know, I just read a case in Atlanta at a, at a, a state fair out there, right? That, a, uh, an altercation breaks out. Somehow a gun gets involved. You got a 16 year old kid dead. You got a 17 year old kid injured and a 19 year old kid injured. These kids aren't even 20, right? Yeah. That, but someone pulled a gun and whatever was happening just super escalated. Yeah. And like you said, when you pull that trigger, even when you pull it out, like, there often is no coming back from that. Something is probably going to happen. There, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not sure if you ever really hear that someone pulled a gun and everybody else just walked away and cleared the place. Usually, something happens. Ninety five percent, I'm I'm guessing something happens after that gun gets pulled. Somebody doesn't. Not most the other person doesn't back down. Or usually, a gun comes from somewhere else, or you know, there's there's shooting. So that that was one of the reasons that, like I said, I I really appreciate when you take the time to have these conversations with me, because I think that, you know, the, the lines, they, they get really blurry, you know, and the gray area can really get people in a lot of trouble thinking that they know exactly what's in black and white. Yeah. Well, and, and look, an interesting one to look at is that Curtis Reeves one. And, and I know they had looked at stand your ground. Um, they actually, there was, I know I remember there being an appeal cause I was doing a stand your ground case while their case was an appeal for stand your ground. But there's, there's no racial undertones to it, so it right. makes it very kind of neat and clean from a legal analysis perspective. But you want to talk about one where you really change the course of things by pulling a gun. Right. You know, I mean, that that's a really interesting one to look at because, yeah, he, I mean, he was found not guilty, which doesn't necessarily mean he's innocent, right? Just kind of remember that. Not guilty doesn't equal innocent. Right. Right. Um, but they're just really interesting one to look at and kind of evaluate from the stand your ground and just knowing that when you pull that gun, there are consequences, right? So yes, was he found not guilty? Sure. But a, he spent a ton on legal, legal fees and he spent some time in jail, right? I mean, I don't think he bond, he didn't bond out same day, right? Something like that. You usually got to see the judge. So, you know, there's, there's definitely consequences for everything, even if in the end, you're found not guilty. Right. right. And for, for those who don't even understand, like know all about that, that was here in Florida as well. It was Pasco uh, County, Pasco County. And I've been in that theater a lot of times, dude. Cause I'm like, I'm a, like, I go to movies every Tuesday, especially when AMC was, it was $5 Tuesday, then half price, price half price Tuesday. Yeah. Um, because something I did with my dad a lot when I was little. So the movies are still like a, a place for me, like a, you know, a good space for me. And I'll go by myself, you know, but you thinking you're in this movie. And I think the previews were still on right when this they happened. Were, yeah. It was the previews. This guy's in there with his family. I don't know what, what made the altercation start. What really got me about that whole thing though, looking at the video, it wasn't even a packed theater. So they really didn't even have to be that close together. Right. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? But they wound up that close together, pretty much the family in front of this guy. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. When I go to a theater, right, and it's not that packed, I do everything I can not to be sitting like right on people for whatever reason. Yeah. Either they might talk or I just think I got enough space I can sit anywhere. You know, I, so it was so many things in that, you know, like the guy a, a, was a former police chief, chief or officer, right? He was a captain, I believe. Captain, former police captain, right? And whatever the altercation was just that quick, he pulled a gun and shot the guy and the guy's gone. So a kid doesn't have a father. Yeah. Wife doesn't have a husband anymore. It wasn't even that quick. Like this, this one, there's a lot to unpack in it, right? Because they have their initial, we'll call it an altercation. I'm not even really sure how much you can truly call it an altercation over this guy being on his cell phone during previews. How dare you be on your cell phone during previews? Like, come on, dude, get over yourself. Right. Wow. Yeah. And then go. So Reeves then goes out, talks to the manager at the movie theater and then goes back in 
and that's when the shooting happens is after he's back in. And the vi- and I can't remember, and it's terrible that I can only remember the shooter's name. I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, but they were a row in front and over. So they weren't actually directly in front of each other. Right. To me, I go, and, and, and I remember, I talked about this one some, right? And I go, how how is the defense possibly going to win this? Because this guy, in order to have done something major to Reeves, would have had to come over a seat, right, from being down below. Right. Right, not not up higher, but lower. And usually the person higher is at an advantage. Right. You know, so, I mean, there was a lot for them to overcome. Wasn't, but it, wasn't it something, too, about some popcorn being thrown or he threw, threw some popcorn? Yeah, the, uh, the victim threw popcorn. How dare he throw popcorn? Okay, probably not the best move. Don't throw popcorn at people in movie theaters. Right. Especially because these days I feel like people are a little bit crazier than they used to be, right? Yeah. Used to be like back in our day, you know, you threw popcorn at somebody, maybe you throw some fists and right. everybody goes home and right. that's that, right? No, they're not, they're not, they're not, it's no fisticuffs nowadays. No, no, no. I mean, it, his defense team did a great job, right? I mean, they had, I didn't think they had a chance of winning. And that jury was out for three hours. Week long trial, three hours, and the jury came back with a verdict. Yeah, I, I saw the when the verdict came back, the comments were crazy on Facebook. Like, yeah. you know, like you said, people, for lack of a better term, almost in an outrage, a bunch of people were, you know, it was kind of chaotic. But again, like I said, um, my biggest thing with these conversations is to get some clarity, because even me. I'd be confused, like, you know, because I'll see different things and I'll read and I'll be like, well, how did that happen? You know, and then also, too, I, I try to be a realist, you know, like all the way back to like OJ. Right. I think OJ really got out of that because he could afford the defense, you know, yeah. like and to this day, you can give me your opinion back. I don't think OJ did it, but I do think OJ knows what happened. <laughs> I, I do. I, I don't like that's just my thing. I just don't think it was just for them. Like, have you ever seen the documentary um, OJ Made in America? No, I need okay. to know. OJ Made in America was an ESPN 30 for 30 um, five-part series. Probably one of the best 30 for 30s I've ever seen. And it really, to me, as a black man watching it, gave me a lot more insight into why OJ was the way he was. Like, one of the things I don't know, and I know you and I have been throwing around the term fun fact on this podcast, right? When OJ got found not guilty and his neighbors were hating him or whatever, right? And they were like, get out of our neighborhood. Get out of here. OJ had been living in that neighborhood before 80% of those people. Like, it was, was his neighborhood. neighborhood. Right. It was his neighborhood. <laughs> right. Another thing I never knew is like, OJ was really one of the first real big pitch men. And, you know, everybody, if you know anything about marketing, advertising, you watch this kind of stuff, right? The Hertz commercial, which OJ was famous for. I never realized that when you, I've seen that commercial a million times, OJ is the only black person in that commercial. Yep. Because it was so like, well, how do we do this? He's like one of the first, you know, nowadays we see, you know, people of all nationalities pitching product. But back then, OJ was like one of the first, right? Yeah. Influencer before influencer became a thing. They didn't know how it would work. So everybody who sees the juice running through the airport, this black guy, they offset it by being a Caucasian person. Huh. Like the white old lady was white. And they're, I mean, they're all like fun people, happy yeah. to see the juice run through the airport. But I never knew that, which brings me to this other part, right? Of why I'm really convinced that OJ didn't do it. In episode four, if you don't watch any of them, just watch episode four. Okay. And in episode four, the prosecuting, one of the prosecuting lawyers, not Marsha Clark, but one of the guys, he goes through how he thinks the crime happened. And this is a step-by-step of 
the perpetrator walking up, Nicole thinking, OJ's ex-wife thinking that it might have been Ron Goldman returning her glasses, and it turns out to be OJ. Like, I never realized that. And it's got all the pictures from the autopsy, everything. She was almost beheaded. Like, like it's just, and the part where it takes me to say OJ couldn't have done this because they say Ron Goldman fought for his life. Right? So, yeah. OJ could be whoever. There should have been some bruises, right? There's like yeah, they say, true. like yeah. they said, Nicole got taken out pretty quick. Like she was, yeah. like she was, like that first cut. Being a woman took her down. Yeah. Ron showed up, right? The initial thing with Ron, from what the lawyer says, is, and he's going through like from the reports, the guy was behind Ron, taunting him, and like poke Ron in the face a few times. So he's taunting him the whole time. Yeah. Ron's knuckles and hands, they were like, he's fighting, he's defending, he's doing everything. And the cut that took him out was he got stabbed kind of right here and it hit like a crazy blood vessel or vein or something. And he pretty much was, and they had him caught in a corner, which was like a killing cage, right? But they said he fought. When they did all the stuff on OJ, they just had his finger cut. He didn't have any bruises on his body or anything. Like if this guy fought for his life, you had him the next day. There should have been more bruises. And, you know, I watch a lot of crime shows. I figure, like, you know, I am borderline police officer as much as I watch First 48. Well, there you go. You know, because I know once a guy asked me for a cigarette, I got him. OJ never asked for a cigarette, dude. So, to me, no, I'm, I'm, I'm playing. But, no, that's why I say, like I said, I, I think OJ knows what happened. OJ's around a lot of money. Anything could be going on. You never know when people got that much money. You never know. But but two things. One, on a serious note, think about what you just said, though, about, hey, I watch all these shows and do all this. That's your jury. And they all come in with that expectation. They all come in with that law and order. It's going to take them 30 minutes to solve it and 30 minutes to try it. Right. And, boom, and boom. you come in with that. Right. That's that's that mindset. Also, good job bringing it all the way back to the Kardashians. They're in and and it's they're in the documentary. Oh, did you know why? Well, they're dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their dad was one of OJ's defense attorneys. Right. Yeah, I would guarantee you the five people who listened, four of them didn't know that. Yeah, and they talk about him too. There was this bag that he walked away with. Yeah. There's this bag that he walked. Up. <laughs> there's a there. Yeah, there, there's a lot to the the the, uh, the OJ thing is a whole another yeah. you know uh, another thing. Um, dang, I had something I was going to tell you. Oh yeah, speaking of Law and Order. One more fun fact before we go. Fun fact. I watched Law and Order for six months when I was in college and I started watching it, right? Yeah. For six months, I watched it. And maybe on six months and two days, I realized that the first half of the show was the investigation and the second half was the actual trial. Like, I literally watched it. Every, it would be on while I'm waiting to go to class or whatever. And I'm watching. Dun, dun. And then one day I go, wait a minute. The investigation. I, I don't know, man. I that's um, awesome. As always, man. I I appreciate the law father. That's such a like. That's another story. That's such a like you like you know like like you're running a lot of things with you know with that title of of course. Um, I appreciate you. And also, I I appreciate you too, man. Uh, letting me do, use uh, Law Father uh, headquarters, aka Law Father Studios, to record uh, this episode of the podcast. Um, it's been pretty awesome as always, and. Always, 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 I appreciate, man, the insight you give me. And, and it's always like, too, is it is it layman's terms? 
It's layman's terms, right? Yeah. Dude, I told you, dude, I, I, I know some words, Jason. I know some words. Layman's, you know, just so I can understand, you know, and because that's, that's honestly, like, I, and I say this all the time, that's what I want to get out. There's so many stories that, you know, you know, and me, we talk about this stuff when I see you, you know, that once it gets convoluted and, and clouded, there's so many different things going on. And, and believe me, you know, we got the internet now, so it's even oh, yeah. worse. You know, so I, I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, help us get through some clarity. Yeah, you know? no, I appreciate you having me on. You know, where, where, as always, can they find you? At the um, Law Father. All the socials, at the Law Father. Keep things pretty. I do, except for I can't get my Instagram to be just at the Law Father. So it's at the Law Father Tampa. Oh. Because someone has at the Law Father. Oh. Wait, by the way, we own the trademark. Wait, we're off on a real tangent. I own trademark for Law Father. And I still can't get Instagram to give me at the Law Father. Are you actually talking to Instagram? You actually, did they respond when you hit them up? Do they respond? Yeah, they respond. They have, if it's a copyright, infr- copyright or trademark infringement, there's a form that you fill out and send it right in. Oh, I think that person's working this week too. You know why? Because all of a sudden this week, again, they went like to videos I have that are four years old and stuff. And they're like old music stuff. Uh, someone's claimed this. We're taking, you know what? This person can't, no one can see this in these countries. And I'm like, oh, that person's working again. But then what'll happen in like three weeks, it'll come back and go, this wasn't infringement. And, and your videos are back up. Dude, first of all, their videos from like three years ago that I forgot I even put up in my Instagram. Right. But it's like, it's like, I wonder, does this person work like every six months that does this? Cause they just come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden I'll start getting these notifications on Instagram. Um, this video has been re- removed and then it'll show me a list of countries like, dude, like I, 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 at this point, I don't even care first of all, because it's, it's, it'll be like a three year old video. Yeah. And I'm like, that person must be off vacation or they moved that they started this department back up again. Well, so you know how they do it? If someone makes a complaint, it goes through their algorithm and it automatically takes it off and saying that you're infringing. And then someone real comes through and looks at it and makes a determination. So that's why you see it. And then you see it come back on. Because that's what happened with, with the Lawfather one, was they took the guy's account down. Right. And then about a week or two later, he had his account back and they told me they ruled against me. We're going to try it again, though. Might as well. You know what we'll talk about soon? What's that? Trademarks. Ooh. That's a good okay. one. That is a good one. That's a good one. Really pertinent for uh, I know personal branding. and We did uh, it for Hip Hop Study Hall. I yep. know. It's, 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 it's a super crazy one. Yep. It, it's a, we but, talk about branding, too, and, and marketing, because, I mean, with uh, working with NFL players, had little bit of experience in that and yeah is there something you don't do do you cook i cook yeah i'm a dude i'm sicilian of course i cook you should get that's what you should do you should get a, a youtube channel <laughs> the law father cooking dude you be oh. you be over here discussing a case but you're also preparing like you know like a special dish that that puts you in the mindset of that case i think that i think i'm gonna make that happen yeah, because I got I got like the cooking show idea came to me yesterday, and I, we got to go soon. But I I was uh, a friend of mine was cooking, and she cooks awesome, phenomenal, right? And I said we should start a YouTube channel. She cooks because I can't, and all I'm doing in the kitchen is messing things up. Like I'm just like I'm messing things up. But you're showing me. I got to stop telling my telling this idea because the five people watch person number three. Next thing I know, they got a blown up YouTube channel because yeah. they they started something that we talked about. Can't do that. No more details. No more. Well, details. Father cooking coming soon. I, I dude like. Yeah. My guy, the law father, the law father, the law father. I like that. The law father. Yeah, jingle coming soon. We can work on, we can work on that. Yeah. We can get that done. I, I, I do want to work on that for real. I think dude, jingles are the way you get a jingle and they start singing it. Oh yeah. Dude, they start singing the jingle boy and it's like, we'll get on yeah, big time streaming Spotify. Look out Taylor Swift. Here we come. Do you do entertainment law at all? Not anymore. You did though? Yeah. We yeah, we gonna have some other conversations. Uh <laughs>
the law father a guest we are at law father headquarters i am dj eakin um I appreciate you, man, as always. And I, I appreciate everybody uh, that rocked with us right here at the uh, Hip Hop Study Hall podcast. Um, yeah. Enlightening. Enlightening. Always. Um, don't forget, as uh, Ben tells me all the time and Jason says, shouts out to Radio Influence. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, um, download, subscribe, like all that stuff and share. I am DJ Eakin, Tampa's most connected DJ. I promise you, I am looking to learn something weekly. Um, you'll be back soon, though. Sounds good. I promise. Like, oh yeah, and also too, like when you finish that case, I I need you to come back. Yes, a couple weeks. Couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. We're gonna keep moving around too. I like this studio, but I think we move around. Like, I think we get you in a recording studio one day too. We talk about like some entertainment oh, stuff. We, we could do that. Can we get some turntables for that one, dude? I I can get the the studio setup. I can get. Oh, like, let's make that We can happen. get that made. We go old school on it with vinyl. My guy, <laughs> it's hip hop study all the podcast, man. We out.